Stand up on your feet. We're going to worship the Lord together.
Father, remind us that's true. Even in our deepest, darkest times that we're facing, Father, that you're the healer, that you're the provider, that we can stand in this room or wherever we are, and we can proclaim, even when we're having a hard time feeling it in this moment, that you're a good. Father, we love you. We sing and we praise you because we have hope in your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Welcome to Crossroads Ministries this morning. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, We're glad that you're here. Those of you here in the building with us and those of you joining us online, thanks for being with us today. Um, I got a couple announcements that they've asked me to go over, so I'll just go through those. Uh, The Easter egg extravaganza for the kids is Saturday, March 27th. There's a place out in the foyer to register and... Kim and Chrissy will be out there today. You can also, I think you can register online. It says here there's 10,000 of those plastic eggs. So I think whoever shows up will leave with a, a basket full. So that'll be good. Um, giving, there's boxes in the uh, back of the church and then one right by the door in the foyer. So you can put an offering in there. You can give online. I'm not sure how to do young people probably know how to do that. Um, We appreciate your faithfulness. God's been very good to us through this whole thing, and and we appreciate you guys for giving. Uh, Chuck is going to, Chuck Green is going to speak today. Pastor Ken has asked Chuck to speak, so he's going to come up in a little bit and uh, share the message, and uh, let's pray for for the service. Dear Lord, again, we thank you for our time here today. We thank you for your faithfulness and for the faithfulness of our people in giving and and in blessing. And Lord, we just pray that you'll be with uh, Brother Chuck as he comes to speak. We thank you for his uh, willingness to minister today. In Jesus' name, amen.
remarkable. Um, I was very excited when Pastor Ken called me and asked me, asked me to speak today. Um, I love the book of Mark, and I thought last week he did a great job of um, giving us the background of the book of Mark and who Mark was. And what we wanted to do today is build on that. If you recall last week, um, what he did was he, he gave us that introduction and he took us through the baptism of Jesus Christ and how the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And he went through that temptation. And this week what we're going to do is we're going to continue right off, uh, right after those verses. Uh, if we could put them up. So if you want to follow along in your Bible or online, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1 and we're going to start in verse 14. And this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the very beginning. Mark 1, 14, look what it says. It says, now after John was put in prison, that's John the Baptist who baptized Jesus. Um, so now he's in prison. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Let's pray. Dear God, I just come to you today. And I, I just pray a blessing upon this time in your word. I just ask um, for what we need. I ask for myself that your spirit would guide my thoughts, my words, um, my mannerisms, my actions. Um, that it, so that it would bring you glory and honor. And that it would build up your kingdom. And I just pray for... All those listening today, whether it be virtually or whether they be physically present in the auditorium, that uh, they too would be blessed and that they too would receive what they need, whether it be salvation, strength, encouragement, wisdom. Um, I cannot look into anyone's soul, Lord. Um, only you can speak to the heart. And I just pray that uh, you would do that today. And that you would free us from distraction. And that ultimately, this time would be blessed. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's interesting. Jesus, as Pastor Ken said last week, we, we, we saw the beginning. We saw his baptism. We saw his leading into the, leading into the wilderness. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. He was tempted. He endured. He succeeded through that temptation. Now he is going to start his ministry. And it's interesting. He says, now 
Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That term gospel is a very interesting word. Um, if, if you've grown up in the church, is if I would ask someone the definition of gospel, um, they would say, oh, it's good news. And, and that's true. It, it, it is good news. But it's a little deeper than that when you study the original word. So I'll give you an example of what gospel means as far as good news. What if you imagine you're at home, and, and this is not a scam. <laughs> imagine you're at home and an attorney calls you up and says, Hey, I am the attorney representing one of your unknown lost relatives who has passed away, and they left you $10,000. Is, is that good news? Uh, not a- excluding the death of your relative, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't want anyone to die. But excluding that, isn't that good news that you got $10,000? I'd be like, okay, where am I going to go on vacation? Disney World, the Caribbean. It's, it's good news. But, but see, that's, that's, that's not gospel good news. So now imagine the exact same situation. And the attorney says, hi, I am the attorney representing one of your lost, um, passed away relative you never knew, um, and they left you. million. Is that good news? Is it better than the the other news? Because this is good news now that is life-changing. A trip to Orlando is not life-changing, right? $100 million is probably going to change your life. It's, see, the, the message that Jesus was going to begin with The starting of his ministry, he was about to preach good news, great news, life-changing, incredible news. And this news, this gospel that we know, uh, that we see in the book of Luke, um, mentioned in the Great Commission passage, and throughout all of Scripture, this good news, Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus was God. He came. He was the word. He was the word of God. And as he came, he gives this this incredible news, this incredible gospel that we now can receive forgiveness of our sins through repentance and that we could have peace and reconciliation with God the Father, the creator of the universe, and have eternal life. See, that, that is really Great news. That is life-changing news. And the time had come. Next verse. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's time. His ministry is starting. He is going to deliver the word. Throughout millennium, there was a promise of the Messiah to come. And Jesus Christ was him. And people were waiting for it. The world was waiting for it. I think deep down many people know. And it is the reason why many people fear death. I think there's an innate knowledge that we come up short. I think of 
in the New Testament, the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. And, and Scripture says he kept all the rules. He had a big, long list of rules that he kept. And yet deep down, he knew. And that's why he came to Jesus in the, in the, in the New Testament uh, Gospels. He came to him and said, what must I do to be saved? Because even though he kept the big, long list of things to do, the do's and the don'ts, he knew deep down he lacked something. And you know what Jesus' response was to that rich young ruler was? Follow me. You follow me. And unfortunately, he didn't follow. But that good news... The good news, the salvation that Jesus is going to preach comes via, through, repentance and belief in what? The gospel, this good news that Jesus Christ came, died, buried, resurrected, took your place. And that through believing in him and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you could have eternal life and have peace in reconciliation with the creator of the universe. But it requires repentance, a change in direction. Um, it was interesting. I went on a trip a long time ago before GPS. For those of us before smartphones, when we used to go on a long trip, there was a, there was a, a process that we did before a long trip, Right? We bought a map. We unfolded the map. And then we got our little pen and paper out. And we traced the route. And we, we knew how far. Oh, I had to go Route 79. And then, oh, I go about 45 miles. I, I would look at the, in, we'd look at the, the index on the side, how, how, how many miles was 100 miles. And then we would guess it, oh, we'd go maybe 40 miles, and then we would get on Route 68 south. And, and, and that's what we did. It, was, it, we, it took a whole evening figuring out the plan of how we were going to get somewhere. Um, it was crazy, but that's what we used to do. And then, heaven forbid, if you lost your piece of paper during the trip. <laughs> Everyone laughs because we're like, where's the directions at? We lost the directions. Uh, we don't do that today. Um, if you if you're under 30, you can't imagine uh, planning a trip out like that. But I remember taking a trip one time and I had my map and I was following it and I was following the directions. And I can remember this sick feeling I got when I seen a sign that said, welcome to Delaware. The only problem was I wasn't going to Delaware, nor was I supposed to be passing anywhere close to Delaware. I was probably supposed to be 50 to 75 miles away from Delaware. And I had this sink. I was like, is, is that for, the first thing I said to myself, is that sign a joke? <laughs> then it's then I saw a sign how many miles to like Dover and and I was like, I'm I'm clearly going in the wrong direction. I, I, need to, I need to make some kind of course correction here. And so what did I do? I stopped 
I pulled over, pulled out the map. I had, to, I had to first find out where I was. Then I had to do the whole routine all over again, find my way to where I was going. And then what I did was I put the car in reverse and I went in a different direction. That's what this word means. Repent. It means you're, you may find yourself in a spiritual Delaware. Um, I, I, I don't know what that spiritual Delaware is for you, but maybe you yourself and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has been talking to you and said, you know, you're not where I have created you for. You have been following your own path. I'm not going to try to describe it. I'm going to let the Spirit work on you wherever you are in your spiritual walk. But maybe you've come to the realization that whatever you've been doing, whatever path you've been on, whatever direction or road you've been traveling, you have come to the realization that it's not the right place for you. And I would propose to you that Jesus has a message for you. He has incredible Gospel, great, life-changing news. He wants you to turn towards Him and follow Christ. And once you do that, I'm not going to promise it's easy, but what I can do is promise you that you will have peace and reconciliation between you and God. You will note that as you follow Christ, even if it's not easy, There will be a joy, an abiding joy within your spirit that you're not in Delaware. (laughs) You're going where he wants you to go when you follow him. So what does he do? He begins to call people to follow him. So verse 16 in, in, in Mark 1, he says, And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee with this what? Good, great news. He saw Simon. Now, Simon here will eventually be renamed Peter. That's the, the, ter- you know, the term we know most of. But this is Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Um, it's interesting. When... When we talk about the call of God, when we hear his calling, oftentimes we, we apply that to, we think, oh, now that's, that's for pastors. That's for missionaries. But Jesus is calling us. He, he, for God so loved the world, he is calling everyone, follow me, follow me. And it doesn't matter how you put bread on the table or fish on the table, what you do for a living. Um, I struggled with that, that in my own life. Um, many people who know me, some people here have ne- never heard me speak. Many people who do know me speak um, know that I went to seminary. I went to Liberty, and me and Ken actually took the same program in seminary at the exact same school. And, but I'm also a CPA, so I'm a debits and credits kind of guy. That's how... That's how I put fish on the table. And there is 
It is not what you do to put bread on the table. God is calling us all to follow him. No matter what we do. There's one verse that really sticks out to me in Exodus chapter 31. God speaks and Moses writes of these incredible spirit-filled men. And they did this incredible work. And God recognized their incredible work. And if I, would tell you, if I would tell you that right now and you didn't look at the book of Exodus, you would think, oh, they're prophets. They're rabbis. They're, they're teachers. That's what, go look at Exodus 31. They weren't that. They were stone cutters. They were masons. They were wood carvers. They set stones. And what we saw there was, even though they weren't preachers, they didn't get up and do an exposition of Mark chapter 1, God said, their work is spirit-filled. And when people looked at what they built, they were like, that's, that, that's more than human effort. That is, there, there's a divine blessing there. And I think of, um, I think of my my father, um, my, my dad was a truck driver almost his whole adult life and retired a truck driver. And it was interesting. I got to work um, at my dad's place of employment um, all summer long. So I actually got to see my dad at work. And I got to see what other people thought of him. And I was around him. And I would go to the warehouse and I would work and I would load trucks and unload trucks as they came in and my dad would be in and out all day long as he made deliveries and it was interesting and I view it as one of the blessings of my life Um, some people would say oh he was just a truck driver he just drove an 18 wheeler but in that place where there was about a hundred guys working they knew my dad followed Christ. They knew that if they, had, if they were all going on after work to a place that wasn't glorifying to God, my dad wasn't going because he was coming home to his family. And sometimes they made fun of him and I saw it. But you know what I also saw? When they were struggling, when they were in a family situation, when they were dealing with a difficult situation, when they were in a health crisis, maybe they were struggling with an addiction. He was the guy they went to and said, Charlie, will you pray for me? What you, Charlie, what do you think I should do? My dad would never say that he was this. He was a truck driver. He was, he was a fisherman. But he was a follower of Christ. And in that warehouse at W.J. Beitler's, for 30 years. He was the pastor. He was. He was. And I can remember. I can remember one guy. Uh, came up to me and he said. Oh your dad. He drives me crazy sometimes. But you can, you can count on him. He just. He said everything's so black and white with your dad. It's right or wrong. But you can count on him. You know. 
we have to realize that God puts us in certain places. When we are following Christ, we can then, as we are his disciples following, we can point people to Christ too. It's We don't follow Christ. We follow Christ, and then we don't get people to follow us. We follow Christ, and we get people to follow Christ. You see the difference? It's an important difference. I don't want anyone to be Chuck Green's disciple. You will be horribly disappointed. Okay? I follow Christ, and I am encouraging my friends, my loved ones, my family, my children to follow Christ. Because that's what the Great Commission is. In the last verses of chapter of, of, of Matthew, the book of Matthew, we get the Great Commission. And is what Jesus says is he says, you know, you're my disciples. You follow me. You do what I do. You carve out those things that I don't do. You don't do. And what his last words to them were, you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And teach them to do all things that I have taught you. What a rabbi many times would do if you were following someone. What you would do um, in those days. And many people um, recognize Jesus only as a rabbi, as a teacher. But we know, and as many people declared, as Peter said, for thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And typically what people would do is if they were a disciple of someone, they would follow them. And they would watch what they did. And if that person would do it, they would do it. And if they, that person, they were following that rabbi, they were following. If they excluded something from their life and they said, no, that can't be part of our lives. That person as a disciple excluded that part of their life. And you know what they saw when Jesus, when they followed Jesus, you know what they saw? They saw two things that are available to us. They said, Jesus they saw that Jesus was led by the Spirit. Just like we saw last week, the Spirit, what, led him into the wilderness. The Spirit, in other verses in John, the Spirit led him to Samaria. They knew that Christ, his Spirit, the Spirit that indwells us, the Holy Spirit, will lead us in a direction And they saw Jesus' obedience to that leading. Uh, Even to the point of what? The cross. Remember, he was on the cross and his his humanity did not want to go. And why would he? I mean, who who would want to hang on a cross and be nailed to a a piece of wood? But, But what his disciples saw, that where the Spirit led him, Jesus followed and you know what else they saw before they when they woke up in the morning many times Jesus was gone they knew that he went off to be with the father to spend time with the father alone time intimate time with the father in prayer 
And that's what it means to follow him, to follow Christ, to spend time with him, to be led by the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. I love that song, the same power. I don't know if you're familiar with that song. I think it's Jeffrey Camp. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But that same power that lived in Christ, that same spirit lives in us for those who have called upon the name of the Lord. But what's interesting, next, ne- next verse, and this is so important, said, then Jesus said to them, follow me. We talked about what a, what a, what a disciple would do. And I, this, if you learn nothing from today, I want you to take this next statement away. So, so burn, your, burn this into your brains. Then Jesus said to them, follow me. And here it comes. I will make you. I want to read that again. I will make you become fishers of men. I think many people can become discouraged when they look at the life of Christ and we look at them and we say, oh, Jesus did it. Just do what Jesus did. There's there's truth in that. I mean, he is our example. But let me give you an example. This is going to be a funny example, but indulge me for five minutes. So imagine Mike Tomlin calls me up. And says, Chuck, we need you. I know you need some help, but we need you. Okay, I'll, I'll meet you for lunch. And then I meet him for lunch. It, it, this is crazy, but it's true. Not, it's a good analogy, I believe. Uh, not true that he called me. Um, and we get there and he said, you know what? T.J. Watt has just decided to retire. And we want you to take his job. We want you to be the leading sacker in the NFL, defensive player of the year. So all you have to do is come to training camp and watch what he does. Just, just, just watch him all day long. Just, you know, watch what he eats, watch what he drinks, watch how long, if, when he's studying, we want you to study and, and just do everything that TJ does. Whatever he says, you do. And do that for all of training camp. And then on starting day, we're going to put you in the lineup. How successful do you think I will be on game day? Do you think I'm going to get hurt at 57? Maybe, maybe I get, what, one play? I doubt I'm going to make a sack, okay? But many times, what we do is we take it upon ourselves and we say, okay, I'm going to read the Gospels. I'm going to look at what Jesus did, and I'm just going to do it. In my own human effort. I'm just, I'm just going to grind it out in my own human effort, and what Jesus did, I'm going to do. Isn't that just as crazy? And if I tried to do what T.J. Watt did, would I not get hurt? 
Would I not become discouraged very quickly? Would I not retire very quickly? Right? We laugh. And what Jesus said here is, listen, forget your human efforts and your abilities. You follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Because how we become fishers of men is not by our own human efforts. The opportunity we know comes through prayer. The Apostle Paul says, pray that I may have opportunity in one of his epistles. Just the mere opportunity to, to, to present someone the gospel um, is an act of humility in prayer. The Apostle Paul, pray that I have the strength to speak the words that I ought to speak. I'm not even strong enough in my own abilities to, to get up here and speak the words that I ought to speak. I have to rely prayerfully uh, before I come here, and I have to rely on the leading of the Spirit as I bring forth the word. It's not my human effort. It's not, it's not, it's, it, it's not that I studied so much and worked so hard. It is because I follow him. And I yield to his spirit that through prayer and his spirit and through that incredible great news that I have been saved. That's where that that's how I I can't manufacture joy. I have joy because I have eternal life with Christ and me and the creator of the universe are at peace, not by my own human efforts, but because of the sacrifice of Christ. So don't be discouraged. If you say, you know what? I can't do this, Chuck. This is an impossible task that you ask of me. I would agree. But with God, all things are possible. And the good work that he begins in us, Philippians says, he is faithful to complete it. It is his work to make us fishers of men. I love fishing. I I think you would be hard pressed to find someone who likes fishing more than me. I cannot drive. I always have at the, at the back of my in the back of my trunk there is always my tackle box and my fishing rod. And if I drive past any body of water, I'll be honest with you, I want to fish. I love I loved I My phone is full of fishing pictures. Um, uh, All my friends know, as soon as I catch a big fish, I take a picture of it, you know, and I I do everything. I'll take a picture of it, and I'm like, oh, that's too small. And then I try to, like, get a better angle to to make the fish look bigger, you know, before I send it out. I, 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 you know, Wally thinks I've caught fish this big. They were about this big, but I just, like, (laughs) but I love to fish. But when we think of fish, um, when you think of this passage, fishers of men, it is we're catching them to save them because they are lost. If they are not following Christ, they have not confessed him as Lord, 
they are lost. And the way we should look at this passage, fishers of men, um, souls, people lost and dying, going to hell. Imagine someone, they're out in, their, in the ocean 50 miles offshore, and they're in their sailboat all by themselves enjoying the wind, and all of a sudden the sailboat sinks. And they're, what, treading water, and hours go by. Maybe a shark fin goes by. Pretty hopeless situation, right? And, and I would propose to you today that the lost are in a worse situation than that. For they are not at peace with the creator of the universe. They are not reconciled to him. Um, they will one day have to pay for their own sin. Uh, eternally separated from the Father. And God does not want that, for he wishes none to perish, but that all come to repentance. That's what he says. And they're treading water, maybe about ready to go under. And then on the horizon, they see a Coast Guard helicopter. Is that good news? That's what? Great news. And that helicopter hovers above them. And what? Cast a line in. You ever see what they do? They drop, they drop a line in. And then at the end, they have what? Big basket, right? It's fishing net, right? Isn't it? Think about it. It's a big, giant fishing net. And then that person, what? Climbs into that basket and is lifted to safety and salvation. I will make you fishers of men i will teach you through the through the power of the spirit i will guide you through the power of the spirit as you follow me prayerfully i will show you how you can encourage people to follow me your friends and your family But what's interesting is the response to this message. Next verse. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who are also in the boats with their nets. One more verse. And what? Immediately he called them, and they left their father. Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. There was a sense of urgency. There was a sense of urgency when Jesus called to respond. Um, I've been in church as long as I have memory in an evangelical church. And I've seen, it's interesting, I, I, I even have memories of going to church from the 60s. Because I was five. I was born in 64. So I've, I've seen it in the 60s. And the 70s. And the 80s. And the 90s. And the 2000s. And 2010s. And now the 2020s. And I've seen things change. And what's interesting is. Um, there was a period. There was a period during that time. And I'm not saying it was better or worse. It's, it, it, don't, 
don't read into this that I'm saying that was a better time or this is a better time or that was. That's not what I'm saying. But there was a time there was when we would preach. There was this sense of urgency to get people to respond. Now is the time. Today is the time to respond. Immediately. Went after him. Now. Don't wait. And it was interesting that I actually did some research on that. I'm like, why, why such urgency? You know? Sometimes, you know, I, 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 we're presenting this great, incredible good news. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to feel like uh, the, the, a used car salesman. You know, you know, when you go in and they're like, oh, if you buy the car today, it's going to be $50 a month cheaper. You know, I, I hate that. I hate being pressured or rushed. But yet there was an urgency about following Jesus. And. Whether you know it or not, that urgency was brought out within the church um, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s by, by an event that happened a long time ago. What used to happen is they used to have these old-time revivals, big tent meetings, and that's the way it used to be. And they'd call all your friends, and if you were a believer, you'd bring all your neighbors and your friends and your loved ones and then they would have this big evangelist come in and they'd have this big revival meeting and preach the gospel and the good news just like you're hearing it today. But what they would do is they would say, next week, here's what we want you to do. You heard this news. What we want you to do is go home, think about it, maybe read some of the verses. And then next weekend you come back and if you want to receive Christ, we will show you the way how to follow Jesus and that's the way it was done all the time. But what happened was there was a giant revival in one of our great cities. Following the same formula. And it was in Chicago. And they had a great meeting. The response was fantastic. And they delivered the message and they, they told everyone, you come back next week and we will show you how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. How you could receive this great gift. And the anticipation would be so many people would come back next week. The only problem is between the two revivals was the great Chicago fire. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people may have never gotten a chance. And plagued with the guilt of that. All of a sudden, the evangelical community was, when they preached a message about following Jesus, they went to this verse and said, you know what? When, when God's work goes forth, we need to invite them to follow Jesus immediately. Because, honestly, we're not guaranteed. I, I'm not guaranteed life until the end of this day. This could be my last day. This could be my last hours. I don't know. I haven't had my cholesterol checked in a long time. So I, I don't know. So when you feel the call of God, when you feel his Holy Spirit, in, in John chapter 3, it talks about 
um, is like the wind. When you feel his breeze blowing over you, saying, come. You're stuck in spiritual Delaware. You know you're not supposed to be. Spend time with me. Be led by my spirit. Let me make you fishers of men. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the Mark chapter 1, 14 through verses 20. We looked at those verses today. You see Simon, Peter, same person, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John. They did not have easy lives following Jesus. When you look at Simon Peter, crucified, upside down. James, the beginning of the church, killed by one of the Herods in the book of Acts. John um, endured a lot of persecution, eventually exiled to the island of Patmos. I can remember my daughter went to Bible college and she did a she went to Boston Baptist College and she went to the island of Patmos where 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 he was exiled and she said it was one of the most beautiful places that she had ever seen but a, a beautiful prison is still prison so I can't promise you an easy life when you follow Jesus. But what I can promise you is a peace, a joy, knowing that you are reconciled with God, the Creator, and that you have a Heavenly Father who is holding your hand through this life, who cares, and God is good. And that whatever we go through, He makes good. He turns all things, makes all things good for those who follow him and are called according to his purpose. That's what we know in Romans. And because it has meaning and it's eternal. It's eternal life. I know sometimes at least my small brain can't even comprehend having eternal life with God the Creator who is all good, holy and perfect, and spending eternity with him, at peace with him. That gets me through any of the difficult times. And that is the truth of the gospel. Let's pray. As every head is bowed, um, Scripture says we're we're to examine ourselves. I, I, I can't see into your spiritual heart I, I don't know where you are spiritually. I, um, but what I do know is that God's Spirit calls. And that calling is, follow Jesus. I don't know where your spiritual Delaware is right now. Maybe, maybe you're right, right on the heels of Jesus and he's, he, he's your best friend and you are following. You don't know where to go. And you heard this message and you want to respond immediately. And you have never received Christ. Whether you're here in the auditorium or whether you're here online virtually. And you want to begin to follow Christ. You want to make that change. You want to 
you want to repent, you want to turn, you want to begin to follow him, I want you to pray this prayer. This, this would be your prayer between him and you. Between God and your spirit. Pray this prayer so that you can show that you've made a turn. Dear God, I've been traveling a path uh, that is not right. I have not been following Christ. I have not put my trust in Christ. And this day, and this day, I follow Christ. I recognize Him as Lord, that He is God, and that He rose and died for me. And I ask for that forgiveness. And begin to teach me and make me a fisherman of men through your strength. Thank you for Christ and his sacrifice and his obedience. Be more Christ-like. Scripture says if you made that heart turn, that you are now part of the family of God and that you've received that gospel, that good news. For those of you who are followers of Christ, you've been following for a long time. I just want you to take a minute and pray whatever he's put on your heart. Maybe you've drifted a little. Maybe you've lost a little fellowship with him. You haven't spent as much time. You haven't had that closeness that you've had with him before. I would encourage you to him to, to return to that first love. To follow him. And just take this time to pray. For this is a house of prayer. That's what scripture says. If you come here and don't pray, you've missed the whole purpose of this place. Lord, as those who, who are praying, I just pray that your spirit would guide their words guide their thoughts that hearts would be open to your leading and there would be no delay that the calling that you have the leading of your spirit would be responded to immediately any excuses or or lies or deceptions that would cause otherwise I just pray that those strongholds would be broken and brought down Because through you, all things are possible. And it's your work. You do the work. And I thank you. Um, I love that promise, Lord, in Philippians. The work that you start, you are faithful to complete. You don't leave a job undone. And I thank you for that. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you for coming, everyone. Enjoy the sun out today. I know it's a little cold, but the sun is shining very bright.